Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to The Backpacking Podcast, the only podcast where Jeremiah Stringer allows us into his life to watch that beard go from nothing to something of pure beauty. I got a haircut today, man. I see that, man. You got your ears lowered. Fresh. I like yeah. it. I like it. So, uh, fly, baby. So you actually got out in the ice today, huh? Yeah, uh, we're in Kentucky, at least John and I are, and we had this massive sweeping ice storm, which essentially means that I'm off work since I'm a teacher. You know, any, everybody's probably eating their milk sandwiches right now in their houses, but I feared the terrible weather, got my hair cut, and then I actually headed over to the courthouse, and I was going to get uh, my motorcycle license. Like, I had the permit for long enough now. All I got to do is pick up the license and they're close due to inclement weather, apparently by court order. So are you are you indicting it. yourself though that you're getting out in this weather when you're not teaching? I mean Well, I'm off work now. That's you true. That's to, true. You only have to work till three. That's true. You know, and, and just so people who aren't from the south understand what a milk sandwich is, basically whenever the weather gets stupid in the south, in other words, a third of an inch of snow or ice, either one of those two things, suddenly the entire state freaks out and every grocery store sells out of milk and bread. So I don't know why those two items are such a big deal. Like you can't buy them three days later after it all clears up. But in the South, milk and bread disappears. And so everybody's having their milk sandwiches at home. So uh, it's gone, off, gone off the shelf and nobody knows how to drive. Nobody knows how to drive. Oh, my things. gosh. And- our guest today, he knows a, t- a thing or two about this. We were talking before the show, and he is from Alabama. So Yes, he's a he's southerner. A- he understands the milk sandwich. He understands the uh, shutdown of the state for minor amounts of weather. So let's welcome to the show the founder and creator of the Hiker Yearbook, Mr. Odie. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. How are y'all? Oh, man, we're doing Fantastic. awesome. We're doing awesome. Yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. I'm I'm working on the yearbooks every day right now, so I'm not like going outside and hiking constantly. So it's good to just be able to talk to some people. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you're 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 not necessarily quarantined, but you, you're kind of like holing up so that you can't have any distractions or anything right now. So are you right. getting? It, it works well with quarantine. You know, I could I could just yeah. say I'm quarantined, but basically. Um, I decided to rent an Airbnb in the middle of Vermont for the winter in order to work on the yearbooks because 2020 was a tough year and there's just a lot of distractions going on. So I decided to just separate myself and get into a cabin in the woods. I got a little river. There's two foot of snow outside. And I'm from <laughs> like, I, I didn't know that people could live in this stuff. It's okay. Crazy. So question for you, because you said you're from Alabama. You don't sound like somebody from Alabama. Uh, I've got friends from Alabama and you know, they're from Alabama when they start talking. (laughs) Okay. So the thing is I'm from Huntsville. All right. And Huntsville, Alabama is the place to put America on the moon. 
like we're NASA, we're the FBI headquarters. We are, we have more PhDs per capita than we have, than there are anywhere in America. Like most of my best friends like have PhDs. It's weird. But the thing is that nobody from Huntsville is from Alabama. So our, the way we talk <laughs> When I say I'm from Alabama, everyone says that, but it, but there's a huge difference if you're from Huntsville. Huntsville, that's see, Alabama is surrounded by Huntsville, surrounded by Alabama. That's that's what actually that, happened. That makes sense. Lexington and Louisville are a lot like that here in Kentucky too. I've got a lot of friends who grew up their whole lives in Lexington and have no accent whatsoever. Uh, Crazy. And I'm not from I'm not from Kentucky, so I'm a Northerner. I actually came from Ohio, so uh, I am definitely not. I'm not. Let's just put it this way. Jeremiah sounds like he's from Kentucky. Well, when you get into Eastern, you get the Eastern part of Kentucky. You're far away from the Midwest, man. You get the deep <laughs> accent. Yeah. Now, now, just so you know, I, I speak a little Southern. No, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So I want I've been following you on Instagram, right? I, I hooked up with you on there. We messaged back and forth. Um, actually the person that introduced me to your page was Hunter's trip. And, um, he told me, he's like, Hey man, um, I think that somebody that would be a great guest on the podcast is Odie who does the hiker yearbook. I'm living a dream. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, all your posts on there that, that I've seen on your story, it's shown a lot about how hard you're working, your setup, and not giving up on your dreams. I think it's very inspirational. I, I wondered if you would start today by telling us a little bit about where this whole idea of the Hiker Yearbook came from and what exactly is the Hiker Yearbook. So the Hiker Yearbook is a family album of long-distance hikers on both the Appalachian and the Pacific Crest Trail. Every year, there's about 2,000 people that merge, you know, migrate um, either north or south on the Appalachian Trail and, and roughly the same amount on the Pacific Crest Trail. And out there, it's normal to get a trail name. Like my, my trail name is actually Outside Dog, and they call me Odie for short. Um, so you meet all these people. And on my through hike, I, I met tons of people by the name of like, you know, Skybeard and, and Twinkle Toes and so Aristotle. <laughs> um, so I got off my hike in 2013 and I got home in the wintertime and I was like, oh my God, I really want to find Aristotle. So I get online and I Google Aristotle and some other guy comes up. But I was like, you know, what are you going to do? Because these were like your best friends that you built bonds with over this journey, you know, and and like this guy's name is Twinkle Toes. You know, you can't. <laughs> so, the idea was in my mind of, of there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to, to reconnect hikers after the trail. And this guy made a book. It was a coffee table book. And he put several photos of hikers in the book, probably like 15 or 20 beautiful um, shots of hikers. And I had the idea. I was like, oh, my God, if he would take pictures of every single person that through hiked the Appalachian Trail and put them in a book with their trail name and their real name and their email, then they could reconnect with each other. So. I waited till like, I don't know, 6.45 in the morning to call him to let him know what he should do. And I called him <laughs> up and I was like, your book is beautiful. I have this beautiful plan. Here's what you should do. I'm so excited about you doing this. I can't wait to see the outcome. And then he was like, well, you should do it. And I was like, well, I'm not a photographer. And he said, well, you wouldn't have to be. Honestly, if you're going to get 2,000 people to give you their photo, 
they would have to send you their photo. You, you can't possibly go take all of these photos. So you don't need to be a photographer. Like if you think you could do this, go do it. And I was like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, I've been doing it now for eight years. Uh, two years ago, I started on the Pacific Crest Trail. This is the first ever hiker yearbook. And the cool thing is this guy here is um, Gene Espy. He is the second person to ever complete a through hike of the trail. He did it in 1951. And he's the um, wow. oldest surviving, of course, uh, Earl Schaefer was the first to through hike. But uh, Gene Espy actually said one time, he said, Earl Schaefer did it first, but I got to brag about it longest. <laughs> That's a great quote. And, yeah, he's still living. I believe he's 93 or something, but he, he didn't make it to the last um, trail days, which was two years ago because we didn't have one this year for COVID. Um, so anyway, so I got together and I went to trail days and I started talking to people. And then all these beautiful hikers started sending me in their photos. And um, of course, on the Appalachian Trail, like um, you would uh, summit on the on the Katahdin or whatever, but this is the important part here. So I took everyone's trail name when they sent me their photo and I put their trail name first, then their real name and then their email. So usually in any other thing in life, you would look for their real name first and then maybe the nickname that you called them. But these people in this book only know somebody by the name of Twinkle Toes. They can look them up. So I did it. This book is about 100 pages long. And the first yearbook had roughly 400 um, hikers in it. And then last year's 2019, I had 1,700 hikers on the Appalachian Trail. Wow. And then we started doing the exact same thing on the Pacific Crest Trail. And that was a weird for me to do the, the jump from the AT to the PCT because, you know, I threw hiked the AT and, and I was involved in trail clubs and and things like that. And I didn't know much about the PCT. So I'm doing the Appalachian Trail yearbook for a couple of years. And every year somebody said, do it on the PCT, do it on the PCT. And I was like, but I'm not a PCT through hiker, you know? And then it was funny because this was one guy that I said that to, he literally said to me, well, you don't have to be to make a yearbook. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so, I love how like when I find out something, I don't have to be, I can go do more. But <laughs> So I jumped in and, and went out and hiked the PCT for, for a month straight. And I just literally spoke to every hiker out there. I was just like, hey, got this idea. I want to reconnect you guys after the trail. Um, send me your photo. I'll do the work. I'll put a book out every year. And then, like I said, that's been going since 2014 now. So this is over 1,000 pages collectively of nothing but hikers and their names and their stories. Um, I've never taken a paid ad. I've never, I've never had a sponsor. Like I've kept it 100% pure from the first page to the last. It's just about the hikers and it's just about the trail. I like to highlight things like leave no trace, uh, trail clubs, uh, work like that. But mostly it's a bunch of hikers in line exactly like they are on trail and it gives the community a way to reconnect after the trail. Wow. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> That's incredible. Let now, me mention I, I, this. Um, if you all want to see what Odie's talking about, 
because if you're just listening right now, he's been showing some pictures and pages and that kind of thing from his hiker yearbooks. You can watch on the Backpacking Podcast YouTube channel. So just a heads up. Go ahead, John. Sorry to yeah. interrupt you. No, that's fine. I, I'm just curious because I, I love trail names. I think they're fantastic. Uh, I've got a buddy whose name is Flash, and he actually did the trail in 2012. So he was actually no. This is a better right. story than that. Uh, <laughs> one night he decided to go to the bathroom and forgot to turn his headlamp off, and he was looking down as he was going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just say he got the name the Flash. Uh, <laughs> so, so what are some what are some of the more uh, funny or interesting names, like trail names that you've heard over the years that just have stuck in your head over time? There's some common ones from a thing that you wouldn't think would be so common, um, like Mousetrap. Uh, there was a lot of people over the years that have been named Mousetrap, and more than once I've heard the story that basically they put their, their backpack out at night at the shelter and they go to sleep. In the morning, they just throw their stuff inside their backpack and they, they hit the trail. They get to where they're going. They open up their backpack. They have a dead mouse because they have, because a mouse was inside the backpack and now they have hiked eight, nine miles carrying a mouse. Oh, so, no. you know, they'll get the name mousetrap. That's, that's always a fun one. Um, and a lot of times you get just Dave, just Tom, just Rebecca. It's people that um, they don't really take a trail name, you know, so I'm, I'm just Dave or whatever. And then it kind of becomes where just Dave is your trail name instead of just being just Dave, you know, which yeah. is a strange one, but that happens a lot every year. You get a lot of just names. And a few years back, there was a guy that was hiking and his name was just Dave. And he had a hiking partner that was doing 300 miles with him. And I said, well, you know, you send your picture in too, because it's about, you know, every long distance hiker on the trail. And he said, well, I don't really have a trail name or anything. And I said, well, put just Mike. That way your trail name will fall alphabetically with just Dave and you all be side by side. You'll be just Mike and, you, and he'll be just Dave. He's like, yeah, I love it. Let's do that. So the next morning he says, hey, I want to change my trail name to just Mel. And I was like, oh, OK, why? He said, well, because my son's name is Justin and my daughter's name is Melanie. And I was like, wow. So That's cool. <laughs> you've taken the unnamed trail name and read it's. You, you can go awesome. so many places with this. So That's they awesome. call me outside dog because I like to, um, I hike with several different types of groups and I don't know, I sleep outside. <laughs> That's awesome too, though. I have, um, I met somebody on my first ever backpacking trip. I was doing a section in the Smokies on the AT uh -huh. and <clears throat> I, it was completely different culture to me. You know, I'd never even heard of through hiking and they were telling me about their um, trail names and they gave me one. And then I, I was asking about theirs and there was a girl named Mousetrap. And of course I asked her how she got it. And yeah. she told me that she spent days with a, a mouse. Like they went to a hostel, you know, they were like, we don't need to stop it. Right. We, we don't need to take a zero. We don't need to take a Nero, but we'll stop because we are stinking awful. It was her and her boyfriend. They're like, we just need a shower. We need to wash our clothes. We don't know what the deal is. Oh and God. <laughs> they took their shower and everything, stayed at the hostel, left the next day. And they're like, man, we shouldn't be stinking already. And sure enough, there was a rotting mouse in her backpack. <laughs> Been in there for days. Yeah. Good old mouse trap. <clears throat> yeah. Good old mouse trap. And that was, that was 2018, right? 
whenever so, um whenever when I you went, did that? Yeah. That was May May to June of 2018. Yeah, so they're probably in uh, I'm assuming she's probably in the yearbook then. Oh, what's her trail name? It said, was uh, uh, Mousetrap. Well, duh. <laughs> 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 right. I have a have another great hiker story about um the Smokies. So I'm heading into the Smokies now. I've never done the Smokies when there wasn't snow. I don't know why. I, I just hate myself, I guess. But <laughs> I'm I'm hiking into the Smokies, and there's That's this great. major rainstorm coming in. I'm hiking southbound, so I stayed at the um, at the Standing Bear Farm and waited on the storm to to go away, so that now at least it's not snowing. But there's going to be snow on the ground. But at least it's I'm not going to be in this major storm. I was so thankful. Crazy storm. Next day, I hike out, I hike nine, 10 hours or whatever, and I see this hiker coming down off the hill, and there's plenty of snow on the ground, and he's not wearing any shoes. He has stuff sacks around both of his feet, like like um, waterproof stuff sacks that he, he dumped out his food bag or whatever and, and wrapped those around his feet, and he was wearing flip-flops inside that because that's what he had. I was like, and he had such the greatest attitude. He's like, how much further into this hostel? And I was like, you're like nine, nine miles or what, you know? And he was like, he was like, I've been hiking for two days with the, these no shoes. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, when it started to snow two days ago, I went to the shelter and I put my shoes by the fire so that they would dry off. But then the shelter was completely full. So I stayed in my, my tent my tent was a little bit ways from the shelter. And when I wake up in the morning and it's split in snow, I decide there's no reason to get out of bed until two o'clock in the afternoon. So I go down to the shelter. The shelter is completely empty and my shoes are gone because oh. the Ridge runner or whatever, you know, they pick up anything left at the shelter. So oh. they didn't see his tent, you know, there's abandoned shoes there. So, you know, the responsible thing is to pick up and remove the shoes, which is what happened. And he's like, well, there's snow on the ground. It's a two day hike. To where I want to be. What do I got in my pack? Let me see if I can get through this. And wow. he did it. And he he hiked for two days. I mean, there was wear and tear on those um, those dry sacks on his feet. It's most incredible hiker I've ever like come across. Great attitude too. He was so excited about getting to the hostel. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Hey, John, has Jason told you about um, this guy that he met on the trail? So Jason, he does his goal is to to section hike the entire Appalachian trail and our viewers probably know who we're talking about Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir, but he's been section hiking a piece at a time. And yeah, John, yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know I if you told you the story. Yeah. That, and then you can, uh, you can just take your time and, and chill and go at your own pace. Uh -huh. He met this guy that took a vow of silence. And so he, he wouldn't talk at all. And then at night, he would go out. I, I thought that he might have been barefoot is why I'm thinking of this, because you're talking about this person that, you know, got their boots taken, you know, by uh -huh. the trail, uh, the ridge runner. This guy would I thought he's barefoot, but he would uh, he wouldn't talk. And then at night he would just howl at the moon. Huh. I, I don't know why. I met a guy I, that did a, did a thing. He catnapped. He took a vow of silence one year for a while. So, what was his trail name? Catnap. Oh, catnap. Uh -huh. Do, what yeah. What are some of the wildest people that you met since since you actually threw hiked and you threw hiked the PCT as well, didn't you? No, no, no. I've only done six hundred miles of the PCT, but I've done the same six hundred miles twice. 
um, okay. once through crazy uh, forest fire smoke, like not not forest fire, but smoke. Mm. Um, oh, that was miserable. Couldn't see anything. Couldn't your your throat hurt? You oh. know. And then the following year, I did the exact same section. Oh my god, like incredible out there. But um, I've only through hiked the AT once, and then I, I hike six seven hundred miles whenever I get a chance every year because I get to live on the trail. Basically, in the summertime, I live in a converted school bus, and I travel the Appalachian Trail with the um, with the group of hikers. Um, so check it out. In um, 2018, there were three mouse traps. There was only one girl though. Uh, wrong side. See, I, I I don't know if I would even recognize her. It's been years. You had to yeah. you had to text me a a picture of her. So I can confirm or deny. Here, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna do this right now. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna make this big. Yeah, let's, make him uh, big. Sorry, he just uh, lost the page. Oh, he just closed it. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. Say, we're we're gonna make you big so we can see. Uh, maybe we can see this thing. Cause I'm you got me curious. Mousetrap. Yeah, that could be her. I don't know. I I remember. Check the, it out. There's two more mouse traps. I my see. gosh! Yeah, <laughs> look at the background of the the mousetrap guy to her left. Wow! Yes. I remember her. You know, I'm I experienced these through hikers, and I just remember thinking, yeah, her name's Mousetrap, and and she's hopefully she's not listening to this right now. She probably doesn't care, but I just remember, man, she has the hairiest legs of any girl <laughs> I've ever seen. You know, because I I was like. Coming, you know, coming from just normal everyday life. And she's at this point in the Smokies. So she's got hundreds of miles under her belt and she's living this AT life. She's been on trail. I mean, how many days does it take you typically to reach the Smokies if you start at Amicalola? Uh, I feel like that's a month in roughly. So she's been growing hair on her legs for a month. And I just remember thinking, man, <laughs> she's got some being, hairy legs. Being a natural, <laughs> natural human. One of the good things about being out there is you get away from that, the daily um, grooming and stuff, men, women, both um, completely away from the daily grooming. And that's one of the things that really gets you into the spiritual mode of um, being connected with the trail. You have the dirt of the trail on you. You have the smell of, of what it is to be a human in physical exertion on a daily basis with very limited um, resources. You, you, um, you just, you kind of go all in and the, your, your appearance and things like that, just, it goes to the wayside. As a matter of fact, um, it's not uncommon to not look at yourself on a through hike in mirrors and things like that for weeks. Um, there are entire hostels on the trail where you get off, you take a shower, you do your laundry, you sleep there, you leave, and you didn't even notice that they don't have a mirror in front of the sink. Like it was a mop sink outside or what? There's not even a mirror there. So like you just did all of your things and still didn't look at yourself, you know, and then, and hit the trail again. But that's, that's just part of the spiritual journey. You know, I've, I've heard people say that they went months, literally like a month or two without seeing themselves, especially guys who started out bigger. And when they finally saw themselves in a mirror, they almost didn't recognize themselves because they'd lost so much weight. Yes. That, they didn't realize what they looked like when they looked in the mirror. Right. I've actually heard right. that. You change completely on a physical level um, from a through hike um, all the way down to like the molecular level. Everything you were on the day you started, 
all of it is changed. Like you are not the same person anymore. You have completely recreated your mind, body, spiritual um, um, understanding, complete change. It's amazing. There's a guy that I met that actually invited me to do the long trail, the Vermont long trail with him. And I did it the following year. And uh, his name is Hatchet Man. And he's a very private guy. I won't use his real name or anything. And he never wanted me to put his picture or anything like that in the videos. But I remember he brought, I was like, so you're in the Smokies. He was, I met him in the Smokies too. And I'm like, so you're, you're through hiking. I was like, like what, like what are some crazy things that you, you brought? Cause he had a hatchet. That's where he got his name from. And I'm like, why are you carrying this hatchet, bro? And he's like, well, it's my name. (laughs) He said, I brought all kinds of crazy stuff whenever I first started. He's like, I sent a lot of it home or giving it away. And he still carried his hatchet, though. He he used it for processing wood, obviously, and uh, digging cat holes. And I was like, it's a very heavy shovel. But I was like, (laughs) what else did you bring? And he said, well, he he had served as a fireman and he had brought a fireman's rope with him. And I was like, man, I bet that was heavy. He's like, yeah, I ended up giving it to a taxi driver, like one of the first cities that I went through. (laughs) And then you're talking about the physical appearance. He had brought like clippers that you plug in and then you shave, you know, shave your face or your head or whatever with. Oh gosh. Yeah. He said he got rid of those really quick too. Yeah. So question for you. I, I was reading through the article that, that was written about you, which by the way, that was a fantastic article. Uh, just really like, I, I think you told us before we started this thing, you guys met for 12 hours. Oh yeah. Well, not all at once. He's yeah. just very thorough with that. Yeah. Interview. That was, that was in the, the trek there. Bloodhound. Uh, yeah. Incredible, incredible article he wrote. He was so very thorough. Yeah, it was great. And one of the things that I remember reading is there was a point where you were ready to give up the yearbook. Yeah. Um, so what, what led <laughs> to that and what got you to that point? So this this project, it's a passion project. Um, I saw a need in my community and I wanted to, you know, fulfill that need. But also in life, you you have to hit certain points. You have to, um, you know, food, water, clothing, shelter, uh, some sort of normalcy. Um, and honestly, money. It, it takes money to, to maintain, especially once you get to a certain level. Um, the first year when I did all of this, I only went to the trail days event. So it only took, you know, two days of my time and then, then in my off time working on the books, but now in order to pull in the 1600 and to be more involved into the community and, and things that I can do, um, I'm, I'm all in hundred percent of the time. I wake up at 5.00 AM every, every morning. Usually I'm, I'm handling hikers till about 10 o'clock at night or whatever. And this is seven days a week. And, it takes money to move. You know, you can't, you can't not move. And, and it's a very limited project. The thing about a yearbook is if you're not in it, you're not going to buy it. Like, yeah, they're, they're great. And there are, I could literally say there's probably 25, 30,000 people that love this hiker yearbook project and think that, you know, it's something worth having, but you know, I can't expect those people to want to buy a book that they're not in. You know, it's, it's very niche. Um, And I also don't want to because um, I do this book for the hiker directory. 
And I don't want to give the hiker directory to 20,000 people. I want to give the hiker directory to each year's class of hikers. So the book is, is limited in that way. And so I'm fighting, I'm working full time. I'm taking time off to go do the work on the book. I end up selling, you know, not as I ordered too many books and, and didn't sell enough and things like that. And, and financially, I was always just teeter-tottering on basically near destruction. Like, where am I going to sleep tonight? Um, and it was um, – I, I set up for a few um, things to, to win a $25,000 grant actually from uh, FedEx. They were doing this small business grant. And I really thought that we were going to win that. And I was so excited. Like, all my problems were going to be fixed. And then we didn't. I didn't win. So um, it was – it was a hard moment and I just kind of looked at it, you know, and said to myself, I need to make a decision inside of me, like right now, like I need to realize th these are the facts that I'm not going to be able to um, pull in a great salary, but I am going to be able to live a good lifestyle that I want. And I needed to, to make sure that that lifestyle was, was what I wanted. Um, so I started questioning and, and the thing about walking by faith is when you start to question, you really fall. You fall a long way because you didn't realize, you know, that you were even walking on the water at the time and you started questioning yourself and you're like already out there in the middle of the ocean. So I was in the middle of the ocean on a dream and I was questioning, like, can I do this? And that's, that was not a great place to question it. But in those moments, um, there were several that, that came up alongside of me. And said, hey, you know, um, what do you need? You need food, water, clothing, and shelter. Boom, you know, we'll provide this much for you. We'll give you that. We'll support you in this way. Uh, what else do we need? Just just keep working, keep working. And I just did. I just kind of trusted the community and, and pushed forward and, you know, put out my 10th book. So, um, but I think that when you choose a lifestyle of, of a service project like this, you have to get to the point where you really do question, you know, um, because deep down on a core level, we're all very selfish individuals. And I need to, to say to myself, like how, what level of selfish am I? How much am I willing to give in order to make this happen? You know, or, or I need to stop now and, and come up with a new plan. And so it was a hard couple of years, but I'm glad I faced that. And one of the really cool things about facing that on such a hardcore level was um, like, I thought I was going to get that $25,000 grant without beyond a shadow of a doubt. I had 25 K coming and then boom, it didn't happen. Um, that type of rip away in 2020 with COVID, of course, I, I knew that this year is going to be smaller than any other year and things like that. Um, but I was like, I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to maintain if I could just get through 2020 maintain. And then hopefully um, with the vaccine and, and other things, we'll get everything under control and the hiking community will be back full, full fledged. I just got to maintain in 2020 on July 4th. I was at um, one of the hostels and I'm actually building a fire and my phone starts going off like crazy with text messages. So I ignore that and I continue building the fire. And once I get the fire built, I stand up, I look at my phone and it's pictures of my apartment and my home office on fire, completely engulfed. Um, oh, no. So everything that I built, everything over eight years, um, the office, my office chair, my mouse pad, um, external hard drives, 
um, all of my trail memorabilia, my uniforms from when I was in the Navy, everything. I was standing there. I looked back at my bus and I live in my bus only during the trail season and I keep it very minimal. It's got a change of clothes and a couple of like blankets. (laughs) It's very minimal. And I looked at that and I said, you know, honestly, that that's all I have left in the world now. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do about, um, rebuilding the office, but I was just, I was like, well, this is not the first time that it's all been ripped away. Like I thought yesterday beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would have my computers and I would have my, um, my office stuff, everything that I need to produce this book. I will have that when I get home. And today I don't, that's over. It's gone. So I stood there in shock for a moment, but I immediately remembered that FedEx grant. I went back to that in my mind and I was like, this is literally just like that. And you're going to make it and you're going to be okay. So um, luckily I was with a very good friend at the time. She's um, ex Mennonite. She was working at the hostel this year and she's lived a very simple, plain life. Um, And she left the Mennonite community and stuff and, and works very hard on the Appalachian trail community and and other things. And I was able to sit with her and I was just thinking to myself of all the people that I could be with on the Appalachian trail, that I'm with someone who has been the minimalist for her whole life. Um, You know, I'm, I'm talking to someone about me losing everything who literally has a fiddle and a change of clothes upstairs in a temporary room because she's working at the hostel And this is the person that was going to be there to um, let me tell my story of how, you know, I just lost everything. And um, so that was just another moment where the trail is going to provide. So obviously I just pushed on because there was no going home. (laughs) There was nothing to go to. And um, so I got in the bus and I continued north. And then it was kind of weird at the end of the season, because at the end of the season, I was supposed to go home. And then, you know, the, the leaves started changing in Maine and I've never stayed in Maine for the full change of the colors. So they started changing and I was just like mind blown that for eight years I've been in Maine, but I've never seen the leaves change like that. But it was kind of like, Hey, you know, that's a warning. <laughs> like you're running out of time. What are you going to do? And um, so I just did what hikers do and took the next step. So I went home and moved in with my parents for a week and then, I got a temporary job this year, actually working in New York, which um, provided a house. So that kind of just worked out great. So I went to New York and I worked for a month and then I took the money that I made in New York. And then I just paid for everything that I would need to produce the book. I rented the Airbnb for three months and or two months, rented the Airbnb for two months and got on a meal plan where they send you the food in the mail. God, I love living in 2020. They'll send you food in the mail. (laughs) <laughs> Three minutes in the microwave and you're eating gourmet food. So I I paid for all of that for a month. So all my needs are, are covered. It's just food, water, clothing, shelter. Just all you have to do is hit the basics. And then like you can do amazing things. And so my personal journey in this yearbook, I, I really appreciate the, the downward spiral moments, you know, because um, it, it feels a lot like falling. But looking back over time, I see that that was actually flying, you know? So yes, it was scary, but if I would have just taken a breath in that moment, 
The only difference of falling and flying is faith. And this trail in the community has always got my back, it seems. And they're, they've gotten me through. So I just, you know, took an act of faith and just provided everything I needed to produce a book. And on the 1st of March, I'll hit print and it'll, it'll be done. Like, like, despite all odds, there will be a 2020 hiker yearbook for both the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. Wow. Um, yeah, this dream's fireproof. Wow. So did those did all those people have to resend you the the stuff that they had sent, or did you have cloud storage or anything like that? Yeah, I, all the previous books are were stored um, with basically with uh, my publisher. I would just call them up and, to print more books. And um, because it happened on July fourth, there wasn't a lot of uploads before that. So even though I did lose the hard drive, I didn't lose a lot of data. And then basically, I just set and I had to redo everything. You know, for the for the beginning of the year, which was really only about a hundred uploads. Most of them come towards the end of the year. So I did have to go back through everything that I had processed and reprocess it, even though like all of them have been responded to and said, Hey, I've done this for you. You're in the book. Congratulations. I would have to re-click on that one and redo it all. And just like, Oh, <laughs> a little, little nerve wracking, but luckily there was only about a hundred to do. And I'm pretty sure that I perfected it. Wow. So after um after you're done and you hit publish here, do you plan on going and living more in the van and traveling? Oh yes. I, I hope that this is a lifestyle that I get to live for many more years. What's um, it like living in the van? So I get to do it a little differently because I go to all the hostels on the trail. Mm-hmm. Um pretty much every trail town has a nice hostel and most hostels just let me stay for free. I'd sleep in the bus anyway. But um and I try to help out the hostels when I'm there and, and bring hikers to stay there. And most of them are very welcoming and just open to just let me stay, which is a great, great. So when I'm in the bus, I travel from Georgia to Maine and I basically just go hostel to hostel. I stay at one for three days, stay at the next one for a couple of days, travel way up, leave my bus there for a while and hiking. Um, my, my season on trail is mostly just meeting as many hikers as I can. There's about 2,000 hikers out there, and I literally make it my goal. I want to meet every single one. Like these, these guys are my heroes. These are the guys that decided that they were going to take a year of their life to themselves, and they were going to to chase a dream. Like these are to to be standing in front of not only one person but a group of people who are fervently like chasing their dreams is incredible to me. When I was in the Navy, I stood next to jet airplanes taking off on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. And the feeling of the jet engine would like physically shake my soul. And I thought that that was amazing. But when I stand in front of like literally a group of 10 hikers that left their jobs, left their families, left their cars, all of that. And tomorrow morning, it's a 90% chance of rain and a 100% chance that they're going to be standing on top of that mountain. Like, yeah, that's it blows my mind, but my soul shakes in the exact same way. So for six months a year, I get to chase that. That's awesome. Now I do want to say uh, you served in the Navy for four years, correct? Right. Thank you so much for your service. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this. Thank you for your support. Yeah. I, I don't want this podcast to end without saying that because uh, we don't have the freedoms we have without people like you who've served over the years. So thank you so much for that. And it is an honor. The fact yeah. to be able to salute the American flag is a true honor. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so what did you do in the Navy? I worked with helicopters. My first two years, I was on the John F. Kennedy and I worked on the flight deck of the aircraft carrier. So I was the guy that was like, y'all planes come over here. No, you go over there. Stop. <laughs> like the, nice. the organized chaos of, of the flight deck. Um, that's, that's what I did there. And that was like the, the amazing stuff. But honestly, most of the time we were painting walls and, you know, cleaning, cleaning stuff. <laughs> Trying <laughs> but, not to get seasick. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing about a carrier though. They call it a floating city. The waves crash against the carrier. They, it doesn't, it doesn't move. Like, Oh, wow. We did a high speed maneuver one time. That's where you just basically make a right hand or left hand turn, um, you know, going at a high rate of speed. And basically all that happened is we leaned at 45 degrees and stayed there. It was just the whole ship was at 45 degrees and everything was solid. Like there was no rocking or tilting for like a few minutes too. We just, I just had a tilted world. <laughs> so how long wow. after you, um, how long after you left the Navy, did you um, through hike the AT? I got out of the Navy in 2009 and I hiked the AT in 2013. Yeah, I what, started a lawn care company before then, and uh, then I was miserable and didn't want to have a lawn care company anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I sold everything and hiked the trail. It's a lot harder to make money through hiking than it is owning a <laughs> owning a company. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so with the, with the bus, do you? I'm sure you experienced a lot of trail magic whenever you were through hiking. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Do you ever get the chance to to utilize that transportation to to take you places and give trail magic to other people? Oh, constantly. Like I never I never charge for shuttles. Um so some of most of the magic that I do is just a free ride, you know, to and from town and things like that. But one of my favorite things to do is trail magic. I'll set up at the at a trailhead somewhere and and I like to do things that are completely unexpected. Like you kind of almost expect somebody to be perfectly at a trailhead with um, ice cream. But one time I took a bunch of ice cream with another friend of mine and we put ice cream in our sleeping bags and then stuffed those into our backpacks. And it was like 90 degrees that day or something. We had a bunch of spoons and we started, we hiked in for like eight miles and we would pass through hikers and be like, Hey, would you like some ice cream? And we just looked like we have backpacks on. And they're like, well, yeah, I'd love ice cream in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, well, click there you go <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> how well did that it work awesome. how did well you get like a little cold oh, that the the sleeping bag thing works really well it yeah. insulates right so it just keeps uh-huh. them cold so were yeah. the, the little cups of ice cream is that what no, you no, brought I, got, out I got them the big ones you don't buy hikers a little you want to get your hand bitten off <laughs> <laughs> so, you're gonna come you better come right <laughs> What's the what's the craziest trail magic or situation you're in and you're just like, ah, oh, the trail provides whenever you're through hiking? <laughs> I hiked the um oh shoot, now I can't think of the Highlands. Um the Rhone Highlands. I hiked the Rhone Highlands one day when I definitely should not have hiked the Rhone Highlands at all, but I decided that I wanted to push on and just go on into the next town. And there's a road at the top. I was going southbound and as soon as you get over, there's a road. And well, before I got to the tree line, there was a guy and he comes out and he says, Hey, be sure you put your pack, your pack cover down really tight because mine blew off. The wind is horrible. Honestly, I wouldn't even go up there. It's really bad. 
And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm just going to push over. So I go, and then this girl's coming down, and she's got her rainfly in her hand. And she's like, hey, don't go up there. The winds are too bad. You should not do this. You know, my rainfly came off. Luckily, I, I grabbed it. And I was like, all right. So I tightened it down really hard, and I just went. And I'm, like, hiking at an angle. And they're like, it's ice rain, and it's hitting me in the eyeballs. And I'm just like, I don't why am I doing this? And then <laughs> I get up and over, and I get to the road crossing. And it's a pure whiteout at this point. And a car pulls up right next to me on the road. And she goes, hey, do you want a coffee? I just got one from McDonald's. And she hands me a, a coffee out of her window. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you literally saved my life. And then she drove wow. away. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So we had the strangest thing happen. There were a group of us that went to Wisconsin last year, went backpacking. And it, it's uh, there's a bunch of us that do YouTube channels that we're all friends and we go hiking together and stuff like that. And so we're up in Wisconsin and we're in the Kettle Moraine. We're hiking through there and there's a section where we cross the road. So we cross the road and we set up all of our chairs alongside of the road and just ate lunch on, side of, on the side of the road. No big deal. This random car pulls up, stops. The guy opens up the back of his trunk, pulls out a box and goes, do you guys want some Girl Scout cookies? Yes, yes. And he literally hands yes, every one of us a box of Girl Scout cookies. Everyone had their own box. It was incredible. I that I've gotten trail magic before, but nothing like that. Nobody's given me a whole box of Girl Scout cookies, you know. One of the coolest things I've ever had happen. So not funny. that I'm condoning dumpster diving, and not that I've ever gone dumpster diving. What a way to segue diving. into a statement. So I, I was shown dumpster diving by some other hikers. And honestly, it's a great skill to have. Everybody should, especially in America, because a lot of the companies like Hostess Cakes and things like that, they'll throw donuts away that expire, quote unquote, mm-hmm. in three days because they, they just put the fresh stuff in and then they throw out this stuff. It's not even actually expired yet. You get so much stuff in boxes in the dumpster. But anyway, one time I was with some hikers and we were going, we were, we had the bus and I saw the dumpster there. It was a dollar general dumpster and we pulled up next to it and looked inside and there's like a black trash bag. I rip it open and it is full, 100% full of hostess cakes, um, donuts. And so I grabbed that one in the next trash bag, I rip it open and it was like the hostess cake honey buns. And then like the next one was like the hostess cake, this, and literally probably took eight, full trash bags of hostess cakes stuff out of the dumpster. And we drive back to the hospital and we're like, Oh my God, look at this incredible stuff. And then it wasn't expired for like two weeks. And everyone's like, well, why was it in the dumpster? If it didn't expire for two weeks, you know, what's going on. And somebody Googled it on their phone and there was a recall because there was maybe peanut peanut contamination in the flour that they made the cakes out of that week. So they had to recall all of the donuts. So they're all great as long as you don't have a peanut allergy, you know? So we literally had a pile up to our chest in the hostel of donuts and cakes. I was literally driving down the road, throwing donuts at hikers for like three days. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's incredible. I was allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. I like that. Allegedly. I was, whenever I was through hiking the long trail, some people may have heard this story before, so if you did, forgive me, but I'm going to tell it again. So <laughs> I remember we really wanted to do, 
as many 20 mile days as possible before the long trail split off the Appalachian trail because the Appalachian trail section was easier. So we're like, let's say, yeah, well, I gotta tell you it, it would, both sections (laughs) are hard, but the, uh, the long trail part that splits off was Uh definitely harder, more rugged for me anyway, and Uh less maintained. So the AT Oh yeah, it's hard. A lot of rocks, a lot of mud. So, we're 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 hiking and we we've been walking in the rain for like nine miles and it, it's like 40 45 degrees and we're walking through all these beaver bogs and it's just miserable so we get to the shelter that's like halfway up a mountain and uh we're like well we really want to reach this next shelter but it's 10 miles away and it is a super, super nice shelter, like a two-decker. There's a oh, hammer yeah. hanging up in there. There's bunk beds, you know. And I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm game to keep going if you all are. Well, one person <laughs> wanted to stop, but the rest of us, there's like six or seven more of us that were like, well, I think that we can make it the rest of the mileage. And I'm like, okay. So i i let out right and and i'm going and we're all kind of doing our own thing we're backpacking by ourselves and just like being miserable by ourselves in this rain and I, uh-huh. I just put in headphones and i just i keep hauling and I, I meet these people that they stopped at the shelter that i left and there was like 16 people and almost all of them in hammocks thank god because i don't know where they would have slept this little tiny three-sided shelter with the rain blowing in and they're like, hey, um, you know, we're, we're all staying. And I talked to them a little bit and they're like, yeah, we kind of resupply. We, we resupply roads and we're doing this section, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't think a whole lot of it. Well, I got down to the road that was, you know, four to six miles away from the shelter I'd left. And there was three five-gallon buckets with lids on them. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's like a little note there. Hey, you know, we, we're resupplying. Turns out it was this family that they had left the stuff at the road. So once they hit that section, they could all throw whatever they wanted. Yeah. Resupply, throw their trash in there and then leave some stuff for trail magic. And I was absolutely miserable. And I had to do my, like my first 3,500 foot uh, mountain and it's 40 degrees and raining. So Uh I looked in there and it was filled with like, rice crispy treats and there was a it was like my first dehydrated backpacking meal like i I mean i didn't have the money to buy all those but that's a great yes i ate like a king that night there was tortillas in there to put like the the bean burrito whatever dehydrated Uh meal i ate so many starburst and rice crispy (laughs) treats and hostess (laughs) cakes and if it hadn't been for that I don't know if I could have made it over that 35 foot or 3,500 foot mountain and, and to the next shelter. Cause it was another, you know, whatever, five more miles, but that little trail magic, the trail providing there was enough to, to push me through and just completely change my day. Cause I got to tell you, it was awful. I told John about, I think that the weather done this and just exhaustion, but I had a, a hallucination on the way up where I saw like a guy standing in a raincoat with a black umbrella up this mountain. And I was like, what is he doing up there? He's got no backpack on. 
he's just got an umbrella and he's literally just standing there in the rain. It's 40 degrees. I was like, I'm going to go up here and see what's up. See if you need some help. And I got up there and literally nobody there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But the trail magic, that's where it's at, man. There's a lot of ghosts on the trail. I believe that. Well, I, <laughs> hey, I didn't even think of that. John, what if it was a ghost? Who do, you, who do you think it would be the ghost of? That's the question. One well, time I was at a shelter, and like, as soon as I get there, it was just about to get dark, you know? And I look in the back of the shelter. There's nobody there. It's just me. And I look in the back of the shelter, and I thought that I saw a baby ghost. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, is that a baby ghost? I, like, I look over, you know, like, it's not disappearing or anything. I was like, there's a baby ghost in this shelter. Holy crap. So... You know, I grabbed my headlamp and I walk up there and I shine a flashlight on it. And it turned out just to be a tissue paper. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I was scared. So let me ask you this. We're talking a lot about the the yearbook and we're talking a lot about um, your experience with other hikers. What was the feeling you felt when you summited Katahdin? I want to know what it was like for you when you finished the AT and you became one of these people that you admired so much. Oh my God. That day I cried. I definitely cried. Um, Climbing Katahdin for your entire journey. Like when you leave Springer mountain. um, And of course, if you're going to Springer mountain, if you're a southbounder, but your entire journey to your, your final terminus, you're thinking if I could just get that far, if I could just go that far, you know, if I could get through today and get a little further, a little closer, and it's this big star that's that's on your horizon, and, and every day you're you're working towards it, and you're a little bit closer, and it's getting a little brighter, and and you're just you're in your mind constantly with with I'm so glad that I'm here, but I want to get there. That's where I'm going. So, and then as the months pass and the the trees change, and and your body becomes more hardened. Um, and you're doing bigger mile days, you're getting there faster and the excitement's growing and, and you see, you see the summit as it's going to be this life changing thing and you just can't wait to get there. And that's going to be the end of it. And that's the finish. And then when you climb that mountain, almost in a cruel joke, you realize that that's the start. Like everything you did, everything you hoped for, all of this, it's over now. But this isn't the finish of that. Like that, that was something you had. This isn't the moment that that's over because now you'll have that for life. But this is the moment that it starts. And to stand there at the starting point of a brand new life and not knowing where to go, that's, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was standing on a mountaintop and I literally could go anywhere in the world and do anything I could accomplish anything, but I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do or what I wanted to accomplish because for the last six months, I thought that this was the accomplishment. So I cried. (laughs) That is powerful. Did you finish with um, any other people that you did? Chief Hiker Trail, Nima, Mamacita. Um, We all finished together. It was incredible. And and the thing about finishing is, I don't know why, I guess I was just blinded. I thought that we were all going to finish. And then the next day we're going to go into town and we're all going to hang out. We're going to go eat and we're going to have fun. And we're going to be best friends just like we were yesterday. And everything is going to be great. And then boom, I woke up in the morning and they all left. Like they all left in the morning. 
I was like, but we were supposed to like hang out for the rest of our lives. <laughs> now, did you share that? Did you share with them that you were supposed to hang out the next day? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just assumed. Yeah. That's so we had forever and we ran out of time. Now, my, my experience through hiking was much different than yours because it's a much smaller trail. But I still was fortunate enough to to hook up with a lot of people and have I went up and we all met up in Michigan last is before COVID. I think. Anyway, the point is, is was there before COVID? <laughs> yeah, it's just a blur now. But I was fortunate enough to to be able to still talk to them, and we have a group text and stuff, a little core. But the day that we finished, um, there was these there's these two girls that we met like the week that we were finishing, and mm-hmm. we had hiked for two or three weeks together, uh, the rest of our trail family, and we met these two girls that. Um, I called them the clean ones because they never wore the same pair of clothes two days in a row on trail. Like, I know they're very fortunate. Their their parents lived in mass. They're definitely. (laughs) So these two chicks, they, uh, they actually funny enough had, um, went to the same school as another person in our trail family. So they kind of, yeah, they kind of knew each other. But anyway, their their parents would like sometimes meet them, like meet them at road crossings and stuff like that since they live so uh-huh. close. And they would bring them food and clothes or whatever. Well, they met them at the, uh, the terminus, which is like, I don't know, three or four miles in the woods in the middle of nowhere from the nearest road. They hiked in and waited. Ha- waited on them. And we, cool. when we got there, they had um, – they had like a six pack of local brew and a bottle uh-huh. of champagne and the girls I'm gonna hike with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, their their family was awesome, right? So they were there whenever I finished the trail. And I remember I was like, oh, this is gonna be such a fantastic moment. And it is sad that everything's coming to an end, but I was like, Oh I'm in, I'm in the final stretch and I could almost see the finish line. And I like took my headphones out and I turned on jump around on my phone and played it out loud. And it was just like jumping for joy as I got there. And then yeah. they had, uh, we had a little celebration and took a bunch of pictures and stuff. No, no tears, but man, it was, it's so awesome, but you're right. It's like, Great it's con- but it's a contrast of emotions, you know, cause it really is. I spent a month, you spent six months, which is completely different. But after coming to an end there, you're like, well, now what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I want to touch on, um, excuse me. So in 2020, there was the whole push for no one to do a long distance hike on both the Pacific Crest Trail and the um, Appalachian Trail. Mm. So this and, and I'm sure also the Continental Divide Trail. But the thing that I saw this year firsthand by still just going out there, first of all, I'm glad that there wasn't, you know, 3,000 people migrating north um, along the trails um, to keep it down. But the thing is that there were still through hikers, and I knew that there was going to be through hikers no matter what. If, if World War Three breaks out, there's going to be through hikers. I guarantee it. The call to, to do this, the call to a pilgrimage, to, to a journey is so strong that 
Um, it's it's an unstoppable call. Now, the Appalachian Trail, everyone that's doing it has not been called in that way. But <clears throat> when you get down to the to the point that you say no one can hike this year, you're going to have those people that were called to hike. And um, that's some of the things that I saw this year and, and wanted to touch on for those that were saying, oh, they should never hike and they're entitled and they're, you know, they shouldn't be out there on the trails during a pandemic. Some of the people that they're talking about, for instance, is one guy by the name of Mighty Bones. Mighty Bones was ran over by a car and was told he would never hike again. Not hike, walk. He had never hiked before. He was never a long distance hiker in the first place. But he was ran completely over by a car, was in a wheelchair, and was told he would never walk again, and somehow heard the words Appalachian Trail. Something woke up inside of him, and, said, and he said, not only am I going to hike, but I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. He was out there this year in 2020. You're going to tell him to go home? Like, no. That, that call literally was that strong to him that no one was going to tell him to go home. He had come from a wheelchair to where he was and was climbing mountains. You weren't going to tell him to stop. And there was Pappy, who's trying to become the oldest person to through-hike the trail. This man is a, is a veteran. He actually came to America um, as a refugee from war and then joined the American military and got his citizenship, fought in the Korean War, a triple crowner, um, has bicycled across America a few times, and I think he's 87. So wow. I saw him early in Georgia, and it's snowing and freaking cold, and he's 80. And I was like, hey, let's go into town. Let's get off the trail for the night. And he's like, no, I'm hiking. And I was like, okay, well, do you know about the pandemic and the fact that everybody's saying go home? And he's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm hiking. And I was like, well, yeah. But do you know that the people are saying, like, you shouldn't be out here hiking and things like that? And he looks at me and he says, I don't care. I'm hiking. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, that and that was my first um, experience with a hiker to see that resolution. Um, and, you know, in an 80-year-old man, what are you going to do? How, are you going to say no? You're going to put him in handcuffs and drag him off the trail? Like, he's got the right. He's earned it. He fought for this country. He's, he's given his life and, and done some amazing things, and he's going to hike the trail. And in all honesty, there wasn't an overcrowding in the hiking community, and there wasn't a major problem with um, hikers hanging out in towns and a lot of the things that the ATC rightfully so worried about. Mm. But to see people that started their journeys like that, um, there was one girl that didn't make the trail this year. Um, her ashes did. But she, unfortunately, after planning her hike, committed suicide. Oh. So she never made it. But her ashes did. Her ashes were carried on the trail this year. Um, and that's the thing is you've you got to realize this trail, it, it is saving lives. It's giving people the alternative of suicide or total life-crushing situations. Um, there are people that, that have nothing that are out there. And when you tell people that have nothing you say go home what are you talking about they don't they don't have a home what do you like what are you talking about and um, there was no one that was going to be able to see that unless they were out there and they shouldn't have been out there to see it in great numbers so i feel blessed and lucky that i was but i'm standing here now in the middle looking at a crowd of people that were not hiking this year that were online and and ridiculing hikers saying that they shouldn't have been out there and 
um, you know, they're they're self-entitled and all these other things. And they don't realize that they're talking about people that were, first of all, called for something so much bigger that stopping wasn't an option. Or you're saying go home and they literally had no home. The trail in this moment in time was their home. They were going to keep hiking. And I was so lucky to see this and to see the strength of the heartbroken and the, the, you know, just people that wanted more out of life that said, I'm not going to give up. And even though COVID made a great reason and a good excuse, anyone could have taken it. Anyone. Mighty Bones could have very easily said, you know, I came out of a wheelchair and I walked 60 miles in the last couple of five days, whatever. It's been great. I made it out here. COVID's happening. I'm hurting. Maybe I should go home. No one would have questioned that or even heard any more of it, but he didn't. He couldn't. So any chance that I get as far as looking back on through hiking and long distance hiking in America in the year of 2020, I want y'all to know that that's one of many stories, many stories. I know of one girl and her, I believe boyfriend, I don't want to say boyfriend or not, but either way, the two of them successfully hiked the CDT this year while staying quarantined, like by all definitions, stayed quarantined. So they hiked the entire CDT and did it. Like I would confidently say that they stayed more quarantined than me in my cabin in Vermont right now, because I go to the gas station and, you know, a couple of times a week or whatever, like they, they did it. It was possible. There were several that did it and there were several that couldn't not do it. And I hope that, the misunderstanding and the, the um, for lack of a better word, hatred that grew in the hiking community based on these different points of views. I hope that in time that will heal and that everyone can look at the class 2020 on all of our long distance trails with pride that they did something at a time that it was very difficult to do it in. And the ATC was not wrong in telling them not to do it. I'm glad that the ATC took the stand they did and said, this is not the year for through hiking in order to get the numbers down as low as they got them. But please understand at that point, you can't get these numbers down to zero. It won't happen. So I'm glad the ATC got the numbers down low and I'm glad the community decided in a whole that we should not be sending 3000 hikers up the trail. But for those that did complete their long distance sections in 2020 should be looked at as people that were healing, people that were growing, people that were achieving, people that were respectful to the trail and the seven leave no trace principles. They were respectful to the trail towns. They represented all of the hiking community and they did it literally while taking ridicule from the hiking community I think that we could look at the class 2020 with great pride. I think they did a wonderful job on, well, on all of America's long distance trails. I think that uh, the trail really changes you. And hopefully as with less foot traffic as the trail and nature is healing. Better for the trail. Yeah. Some of the, some of these relationships can heal. And I mean, we're all in different circumstances, but, right. um, <laughs> I, we told you to fly by and 
I, I'm sure it did for you as well as us. But oh, is it over? We yeah, have a minute. A minute actually, a minute and six a minute, an hour and six minutes in. Yeah, so we've 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 actually been going for a while. But that's cool, man. It's been awesome. It's been yeah. so well, much fun chatting with everybody you. at home. Google Hiker Yearbook. That's how you find me. Just Google me. <laughs> We're actually just about to say, how do people find you? Yeah, I'm Googleable. <laughs> awesome. I, I have my little sister. Of course, she doesn't think it's so cool any now because she's 16, but. Back when she was 13, it was really cool that people could Google her older brother. She would tell the kids at school, like, oh, you can Google my brother. So <laughs> That's everybody right. at home, Google me, Odie. <laughs> <laughs> so Google Odie, Hacker Yearbook. And on O-D-I-E. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. O-D-I-E, Hacker Yearbook. You'll see a lot of fun photos. Um, you know, I, I once climbed Mount Washington and raised money for Hike for Mental Health. I raised $1,000 for Hike for Mental Health. So if you look deep enough, you'll see a picture of me in a dress singing I'm a Little Teapot on top of Mount Washington. But it was for a good cause. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I would, I'd love to talk to you more and have you back on. Um, oh, sure thing. Future. I'm sure that we could talk all day. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Odie. John, you want to uh, to take us out? Yeah, Odie, thank you again, man. And we will catch you next time, buddy. Great. Hey, I really enjoyed it. Yep, we'll see you. Looking, looking forward to the show. Awesome. That was a blast, man. That was a blast. As always, man, why do we have such great people on this show? It just makes it so much easier for us, doesn't it? Man, it makes my job really easy. <laughs> yeah, Odie is you. super fun to talk to. He was, he was a lot of great stories too. I can't, we need to hear more of these stories. Maybe we need to get this guy on a live stream. This could be fun. Oh yeah, for sure. This could be fun. Well, either way, Jeremiah, for you and for me, thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you on the next one. Adios. Adios.